Hello and welcome to TV DNA Silo, our first special on the Apple TV hit show. My name is Adam Hemming and I'm joined by one of TV DNA's finest co-hosts. But will his insight be judicial or janitorial? It's Damien Cooper. I wouldn't mind keeping your flame. <laughs> How you doing, Damien? I'm doing well, Adam. Obviously sweltering. Uh, in this ungodly heat maybe this is what it was like in the before times before people had to go into the silo how about you yeah good I feel like you are more appropriately attired for the extreme weather we're experiencing yeah to be fair I am at home complete leisure time in leisure where you are taking a break from work to record this so I mean you have you can't go to work in a basketball jersey no, I, the decision to wear jeans and not shorts today was a mistake, though. <laughs> Silo was one of our watch list episodes. We've sort of talked about the first episode of this, but we've both been enjoying it a lot, I think it's fair to say. And uh, it's now seven episodes in. We've got three left. So we thought it'd be a good time to do a little special on Silo, talk about what we think is happening or going to happen and what we're enjoying about the show. But before we get into that, do you want to try and explain what's happening in the show? We should say spoilers ahead for the first seven episodes of Silo. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, listen to this tiny bit. And if you haven't watched it, just pause and go and watch it. So Silo is set in the future, we believe, in our universe. At least it seems to uh, imply that it is. And as far as we're aware, all of humanity, or all that's left of humanity, lives in this underground silo called the top, the mids and the bottom, I believe. And as you can imagine, if you're in the tops, your life is a lot nicer than in the mids. And then obviously the worst is in the bottoms and they're all mechanical. And what happens is you aren't allowed to leave the silo or if you do, you're not allowed to come back. So you have to say you either want to leave the silo or you want to go for it cleaning or whatever and then that's it you go out you never come back and from what we see every time someone leaves the silo they go they wipe the camera that shows what's going on outside and then they walk about three or four steps and they die even though they are in protective suits yes just a couple of pick up a couple of things you said you said everyone at the bottom was mechanical it's not that they are robots, it's that that mechanical <laughs> is their job. So their job is keeping the machines that keep the silo running in working order. Mm -hmm. But yes, the whole concept really is, do we believe that what they're being told is true, that by stepping outside of the silo, you will be in mortal peril? Or is there something else going on? And uh, the other key thing, I think, is that if you say... Well, they have this thing called the pact, which is the, the rules that they've agreed to live by, which is all very, very detailed. I think there's lots of different elements to the pact. But one of the things is, if you say you want to leave, then you, you can't take that back. You are sent out and you have to clean the lens and then that's it. You're sent out to clean. So, yeah, so actually just the act of saying, I don't want to be here anymore, is pretty much like a death sentence, effectively. I mean, that's if we're to believe that they're dying out there, of course, because information trickles down to some of our characters in the opening episode that leads them to question uh, whether it is deadly outside or not. And that's really what this series is about. 
It's a group of people within the silo that don't believe that it's dangerous outside and that everyone is being kept there against their will. And then we had so that, that first episode, quickly cover that again, because it starts off with Holston, who's the sheriff. And we kind of are led to believe that he's our main character. So this first episode deals a lot with Holston and his wife, Alison, their attempts to become pregnant. There's a strict birth control procedure in place in the silo. So only certain people are allowed to try and have a baby. Quite early on, I think Alison steps out, doesn't she? She leaves the silo. And then that first episode yeah. leading up to Holston himself saying that he wants to leave. By the end of that episode, we learn our, our actually our lead character is one Juliet Nichols, who works down in Mechanical. Yeah, 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 definitely. Well, so that's it. Now, now we are absolutely getting into spoiler territory. And before we go any further, the question I have to ask you, Adam, is do you believe it is dangerous outside the silo or do you believe they're telling them lies? I think they're absolutely telling them lies. There's, I mean, there's a couple of things. Otherwise, it, it, it really isn't <laughs> the story. But no, I think, I think they are telling them lies. I think what's fascinating about it is there was a moment where, uh, I think it's episode three, Machines, where something's wrong that needs fixing in Mechanical. And in order to fix it, they have to power the whole silo down, which hasn't been done in living memory, I don't think. Really, really brilliant episode, very tense. They've got to do all of this stuff and they've got a limited window of time to do it. Brilliantly executed, I thought, as an episode. But there's this one moment, because in the cafeteria, you get this what you can see through the lens, basically, which is this desolate wasteland. And there's one moment where the power goes out, where it, the screen glitches and you see a totally different landscape, you know, with birds flying and, and all the rest of it. And it's only for a second, but there's a load of people in there and none of them really is not commented on at all by anybody. So did they all completely miss that? Was that just for us as the TV audience? That was the one confusing part to me was that nobody saw that so that I think is kind of one element of why I think it's it is safe out there but also just the lengths they're going to keep people inside yeah absolutely I, I'm, I'm in agreement I, I think it's okay out there and if anything actually I'm starting to become a little bit frustrated about that that, that we're not getting anything more about outsiders all this claustrophobic stuff and I guess that's probably what season two will be about if, if we get a second season, which I'm sure we will. I do have to say, I really like it. I was frustrated by this week's episode and there were parts of the episode before that I found a little frustrating. But other than that, I am absolutely loving this show. One of my early, I want to talk about them going outside as well in a second, but one of my early frustrations about the show was about memory because it appears that none of them have any memory of what it was like beforehand and I was like how can they not have been written records or even sort of verbal storytelling to sort of pass that stuff down that's how you know before we had pen and paper stories were passed um, from generation to generation so how was none of that in existence and we got an answer to that in the latest episode in that we learned from Gloria uh, many many characters in this show um, but we learned that they put something in the water to repress people's memories. And that is why they don't remember or why they haven't sort of passed this stuff along. So at some point in the past, there would have been this whole sort of widespread memory repression going on through 
something in the water. Yeah, definitely. And that's reminded me of one of my issues that I think I commented about in the watch list when we talked about it. That this is in the future, and for some reason, all they can use is MS DOS. And we've now seen actually the judiciary do have up to date tech, and that they have absolutely bottlenecked everyone else into this seriously old school 1980s tech. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, even the use of cameras and recording equipment is something that average Joe in the silo knows nothing about. And that this was, again, mm. another thing that appeared for me in the latest episode, and that Juliet's amazed at this whole thing of them watching them through the mirrors. She's kind of learned, and obviously Holston knew that that was happening as well. And she's got this camcorder that she can't work out how to use or operate. So the recording equipment, it seems, audio-visual stuff that we all take for granted is something that they know nothing of in the silo, apparently. Yeah, I think people are suspicious that maybe they're being listened to. But yeah, they certainly have no idea that they're being visually recorded. There's a moment in one of the episodes where they talk about the judicial people having access to these people who don't really exist, who sort of pass rumours and grass on people. And I wonder whether that's just a, a lie to cover for the fact that they have these cameras and monitors and they're observing all sorts of different people and places. I think what was mm-hmm. one of the things that was interesting in that episode was that they're having to repurpose their cameras to cover different places within the silo. So they can't have cameras absolutely everywhere. Yeah, there seems to be a team of maybe four people in charge of all the cameras in Sims's janitor closet. <laughs> and I guess to say Sims, obviously, is kind of like our more obvious baddie antagonist for the series who seems to be quite high up at judicial and with Bernard Holland, who's what? So Tim Robbins plays Ben Holland, who says on the Wikipedia is the uh, head of the IT department and obviously latter the mayor. I don't know why I thought he was judicial as well. No, he's definitely, you know, he's, he's IT. So it, it makes me think that he's the one who keeps the screen that they can all see being, mm-hmm. you know, it's not just about the systems within, you know, he talks to Juliet about the fact that it's IT that, that makes everything work. Like the machinery needs to be there, but it's IT that tells it what to do. But my mm-hmm. theory is that IT are also the ones who are ensuring that that image is kept in place. He's the one who's quite concerned about the power going down, I think, because of that. He's a bit more avuncular, isn't he, Bernard? We're not sure whether he's he's a nice guy or not. He obviously knows more than he's letting on. Whereas Sims is, I think, pretty high up, higher up even than Judge Meadows, who's supposed to be his superior. And I think he's the one with the links to the people who are really in charge of the silo. Yeah, definitely. He He's come from a not great background, He's managed to pull his way up, probably stepping on whoever he needs to. And yeah, he's he's a nasty piece of work. We've had like brief moments in the series where we've seen a more human side of him, like with his kids and stuff. But all in all, he is a bad dude. But uh, quite a deliciously bad dude. In a way, I think he's there's a, there's a coolness and a smoothness to I think well to common the actor who plays him. But yeah, I, I always enjoy Sims when he's on screen. I think he's great to watch. He's got a great voice as well, Common. I think that also does a lot of it too. He's great, man. He's a great MC. He's a great actor. I'll watch him in anything. 
I think the entire cast are pretty special in this, but Juliet, um, not Juliet, what's her name? <laughs> Juliet Nichols, who's played by Rebecca Ferguson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she is phenomenal. I think she's such a good lead in this show. Just the emotion that she's that she's able to fairly effortlessly take us through, I think is brilliant. I think she's great. Yeah, I wonder if she's going to become like one of these sci-fi like because obviously she's in June as well, and uh, I suppose I found June not an easy watch, but I thought she was very good in it. And with June too, I believe coming out later this year, maybe yeah. it's the beginning of next year. So I am quite interested to see what else she does. I've seen her in a couple of things. I can't think of them off my head, but she very rarely puts in a poor performance. The, the thing I do like, I noticed it very much in this latest episode, is that she's originally Scandi. I can't remember where she Swedish or Danish, I think. And I think her American accent is brilliant. It's really good. But occasionally you just hear a very English sound in there. Which, you know, she obviously learned British English being Scandi. And then you just see it slip. But that's just me being super picky. And I actually quite enjoy it. I think she may, she may have picked that up from her uh, estranged father figure, Dr. Pete, played by Ian Glenn. Yeah, who's who's part American, part Scottish. Well, sure, if you're going to bring that up, Adam, let's talk about that. That was one of my issues in this latest episode, episode seven, that came out, is that I do think she was being overly harsh with him. It's that thing, I guess, of especially because she left so young. She kind of became, became a sulky teenager for that whole siege. Like, it doesn't matter what he did. She had, like, some some little snarky response to it all yeah we don't we haven't really discovered yet have we what happened to her mum and brother they both passed away they've kind of been hinted that it was potentially drowning but their relationship we got we had flashbacks to their relationship and he was basically being an absent father and making her do things she wasn't really supposed to do at that age certainly not helping her deal with loss in a in a particularly good way it is interesting how that I feel like that they will come to need each other once more, maybe before the end of the series, and that there might be some sort of rapprochement. Yeah, I think you're right. I think rapprochement, rapprochement is the right word. He's a doctor. He he can get things done medically, right? And she'll get things done mechanically. So there should be some way in which their powers combined, they can overcome judicial, hopefully. So Juliet has gone from being from working in mechanical to being Holston's pick as his replacement when he goes out. So she becomes the sheriff. And she met Holston through the death of George Wilkins, who is her boyfriend, who has been one of the biggest investigators of what's going on in the silo. So Alison didn't believe the silo was real or what was outside was real. She then had conversations with George and it's it's that relationship between Juliet and George that is kind of key in Holston discovering. Well, we don't really know what Holston's discovered yet, but he's passed this mantle onto Juliet to dis- to discover the truth, along with his badge, which has got the truth carved into the back of it. But Juliet also then has to deal with the murders of Deputy Marnes and Mayor Ruth Jans played brilliantly by Geraldine James. So there's all sorts of bodies dropping all over the place. (laughs) The whole intrigue of her discovering these little clues 
and the really clever ways in which he's sort of picking up the pieces, I think is really well done. And as a mystery show, I think it does that element of it really well. I just want to quickly, whilst we're talking about Deputy Sam Marnes, uh, we also have a Hank, who is a deputy who works in the lower levels. Here's a bit of trivia for you. Played by Billy Postlethwaite, son of... Not son of Pete Postlethwaite. Indeed, one of the greatest actors of uh, his generation, Pete Postlethwaite. That's brilliant trivia. I adored Pete Postlethwaite. I thought he was brilliant. I've got one other theory that I wanted to talk about, but I, I'm not going to claim it as my own. I read this on the Tinternet. Apparently, one theory is that it's the suits themselves that are poisoned. So when they go outside to clean, it's not the atmosphere that's killing them. It's poison within the suits. Because Holston, I think, is the first one to take his helmet off outside of all the people that have left to clean. He's the first one to take his helmet off, although he does then seemingly collapse as well. Okay, that's that's an interesting theory. But then that means that Alison's almost certainly dead then. Yeah, it does. Because we see them collapse, don't we, when they're looking through the mirror. And that's either some pretty high-level CGI that Bernard's got involved in <laughs> or something else is going on. Maybe it's that they, you know, it's it, they put them to sleep. It's not necessarily a poison to death thing. But I don't know. I don't know. Those bodies don't stick around. Who moves those bodies from by those trees, right? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And also, what stops them from then coming back to the camera with their helmet off saying, everything's fine? Also true. Because, <laughs> I mean, that's what you do, right? If you're like, oh, I'm okay. Right, well, I'm going to run back and be like, guys, it's okay. We can live again. But it, it seems when they come out and they step out and they see the world around them, right? Before they turn around and wipe the camera, they face the rest of the world. So you think, well, you're going to see. So if there are birds there and there's verdant grass and, and all those sorts of things, you're going to see that and you're going to notice that before you decide to wipe the camera, unless it's that thing of everyone knows the first thing you do is wipe that camera. It's interesting, isn't it? The decision to obey and wipe the camera lens. Because is it Alison is the first person who hasn't wiped the lens? I think so, yeah. Presumably, if they go out there and see everything is okay, they're trying to wipe the lens to clear it enough so people can see everything's okay. I don't know. Well, we, I'm sure we are going to find out, hopefully, within the next three episodes. I've got a theory that I want to posit to you. Avi Nash, who plays Lucas Kyle, is not who he appears to be. I don't think he's a genuine love interest for Juliet Nichols. I think he is uh, trying to work out what she knows. Interesting. Very interesting. He's been sat in the cafeteria and he's ostensibly looking at the stars that come out. They call them the lights, don't they? I don't even think they know they're called mm. stars, right? And so he's been charting them, drawing them, making drawings of them. He's flirted a little bit with Juliet and then he's, they've had this kiss in episode seven that she's pulled away from. But crucially, the last piece of, the last sort of item that she's found has been this picture book, right? Which has got pictures of constellations and descriptions of stars. So I'm assuming that that's going to be some sort of conversation that she's going to want to have with Lucas down the line. I don't know. It just feels like he's too much of a bumbling, obvious love interest, nerd kind of character. 
I think that just because of the way this show is, there has to be something else going on. And if he's talking about the lights, I think I've noticed these things. Have you noticed anything strange? Do you want to tell me about that in detail? <laughs> it's interesting. I did feel like the kiss kind of came a bit out of nowhere. We only really had fleeting moments with that character. I think I imagine, because it's obviously based on a book, from what I've read, it diverges from the book a fair bit, but there would have been more time to develop that relationship a bit more, I think, in literature. Interesting one. Should we talk about some of the other characters we've had? Is there anyone else in particular that you're enjoying? Obviously, Harriet Walters is brilliant, or Harriet Walters, sorry, singular, uh, as Martha Walker, who is kind of like a surrogate mum to uh, Juliet Nichols when she comes down to the lower levels. And she's the one currently trying to work out how to make this video camera work that they don't know what it is. So she's the kind of super electrical engineer that has taught Juliet the trade. And she gives us the information. Again, there's some more information from the pact, which says you can't mechanise the way they go up and down and you can't magnify anything beyond a certain power. So, yeah, all these sort of bizarre rules that presumably are designed to keep people in in their place. Definitely. Just looking at the other big, big characters. I'm quite enjoying Billings, who's the judicial appointed deputy, new deputy once Marnes is murdered. And he's kind of very knowledgeable about the pact, but he suffers from the syndrome, which is some sort of shaky thing. And apparently if you have the syndrome, you're not meant to work for the sheriff's office and you're supposed to reveal it, uh, make it known. And he's not done that So Juliet's keeping his secret and has him kind of on side with what she's got going on as well. But there was a really nice conflict between the two of them in episode seven when he has to deal with the bar fights and she's got her walkie switched off. Yeah, and so also he's obviously the suggestion from Judicial. Uh, So he initially was definitely reporting to Sims, but it seems like maybe that's not the case anymore. He's no longer a wolf in sheep's clothing. He is now probably going to be a decent guy with a child and a wife which is perfect for sims to put some kind of pressure on him maybe in the penultimate episode yeah (laughs) absolutely classic i think one of the things i love about silo actually there isn't anything particularly groundbreaking about this show there's like a lot of it is threads that we've seen or, or before and like you say the kind of whole aspect of him having a wife and a child that could be exploited is a well sort of trodden trope. I just think it keeps the storytelling really simple, but really effective. Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it very much. Like I said, I feel like I'm at the stage where it could stop being a great show for me. I really want to enjoy it to the end of the season, but I'm just getting a little frustrated with it. I do think the pace could have picked up a little bit these last couple of episodes. There's been a lot of a lot of setup, a lot of characters to sort of get your head around, a lot of world building. I know what you mean about the pace. I think it's for me, it's just about kept me, it's drip fed me enough to keep me to keep me hooked, to keep me on on that little bit of fishing wire with some sort of clue at the end of it, <laughs> hidden in a vent. Yeah, yeah, eating it up like a Pez dispenser, if you will. It's so brilliant that this Pez dispenser is kind of this mysterious artefact that is like, is, you know, and its purpose in the story has really been just to remind people of other things 
or of places. It's just kind of like a marker in a way. But the fact that they're all fascinated by it and have no idea what it was used for. <laughs> and also just a reminder that even if the world comes to an end, hard plastic will still be there in the same shape that it was when it was made, however many years before. <laughs> yes, indeed. Cockroaches share and pear dispensers. Talk about drip feeding information. We should probably should talk about Gloria Hildebrandt, who's played by so Sophie Thompson, because there was a lot of information that we got from her as she was uh, briefly came back to her senses. I think she's great. I mean, we had her at the beginning as the fertility counselor, and now obviously she knows too much, and she's been drugged up in a secure medical facility. Some of that was really good. My, I was a little bit disappointed when it turns out that her hallucinations of the beach were from reading the book. I was wondering if maybe she could just about remember being outside because it said on her file that she was born in 81. Now, could that be 1981 or a different century or even millennial? We don't know. But when it was because of the book, I was a little bit disappointed. Yeah, she's one of one of the flame keepers, right? Who who came out of the rebellion as this secret organization who were trying to keep the memories of the past alive. And so this book, which is about uh the wonders of Georgia, this color kids color picture book about the wonders of Georgia, has a, a, a double page spread of a beach and a and a sea. It turns out that it's kind of a library book. So it's got people's names in it and then you've got on the right hand side the names of the flame keepers who've held that book so you had Gloria and then Anne who is we learn is George's mother and now this book's being passed on to Juliet and she's being told that she is now a keeper of the flame and the hard drive it seems yeah was the hard drive was that where did she find the hard drive was that in this last episode as well yeah yeah so that was in the vent in Gloria's room so much like she found the, what did she, I can't remember what she found in the vent in her quarters now. It was the file on George. Which, That's it. Which didn't really tell her anything, but gave her the link to Gloria, because it had the interviews with Gloria in there. That's right, she notices the flowers in front of the mirror, which again, I think is a really, really lovely touch. I feel like there's a note at some point which says, don't move the flowers. I don't know if I imagine that or just remember. There was, yeah. But the flowers in front of the mirror means that Judicial can't see what's going on. And Juliet notices that hers have been moved from her mirror. And so they've seen her reading the picture book. And then she spots them in Gloria's room. So she knows that that's kind of how she makes the link about them being watched through the mirrors. And then she hears the little tappy-tappy of the thing in the vent. Again, I think that's a genius way of, of Holston hiding those. He knew that like, there's so many different noises in the silo you know, these, these different things that nobody really understands. But because she's from mechanical, the noise of the vent is something that she thinks she can fix. So she, she opens it up and, and then finds what it is causing. Which and then in turn, Sim sends riot police, for want of a better word, to Gloria's room. And as they open the door, where is she? She somehow managed to disappear. Uh, do you think maybe inside the vent? <laughs> I've got, I mean, look, she's very slight, but I, she can't be that slight. <laughs> <laughs> Grand. Any, anything else we haven't covered? Anything else you want to talk about in this? 
I don't think so. Like I said, the questions that I had that I mentioned in the watch list have mostly been answered now uh, in this latest episode. Yeah, I just kind of hope that we get moving. So how many episodes are there in this season? So there's 10 episodes in season one. Uh, it hasn't yet been confirmed, although there have been rumours of pre-production dates for season two of Silo, but I don't think Apple TV have yet confirmed it. Uh, I know the books, it's like a series of books, but as I say, I think they're diverging from that already. So yeah, I do hope that we get some solid answers in the next three episodes. Because whilst I would love there to be a season two, <laughs> I definitely don't want there to be only one season with half the story told. Yeah, I think we need to see what the fuck's going on outside the silo before the end of this season. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't know if I can go back. I think it looks gorgeous. I think the cinematography of all, I think the the world building is incredible. And I think, you know, Apple TV always make things look incredible and invest in that. So I, I agree. I definitely would like to know by the end of this series what happens. But I will certainly be here for season two regardless. Just hopefully it doesn't get canned. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it will. It's got such a huge cast. And I just don't know why you'd bother having David Oyelowo and Rashida Jones if they're only going to be in two episodes. It makes no sense. No. So we, we have to see them. It has to be okay, topside. And they maybe are starting their own, they've started their own life. Maybe there's another community out there made by people who've gone to clean and they decide that they got to bring the silo down. Quick shout out to Tanya Moody, who, brilliant as ever, um, she plays Judge Meadows in this. But yeah, I'm, I'm loving it, really enjoying it. Uh, what do we want to do then? Are we going to do one more of these to cover the final three episodes? Are we going weekly from here on out? Uh, let, let's, um, <laughs> because it's been quite full on for a while, Adam. I think maybe we should, we should mop it, we should have a mop up session. At okay. the end of the series, what do you think? Yeah, I can't tempt us to do eight and nine together just before the finale. Let's see how let's see how we feel. <laughs> Maybe if there's enough juice in those two episodes for us to squeeze uh, a little predictions episode out, we can do that. That sounds good to me. Fab. Well, if you're enjoying Silo, uh, then do let us know what you think on social media at TVDNAPod or by email TVDNAPod at gmail.com. We have uh, weekly watch list episodes coming out covering uh, our, what we think of the latest TV shows and a little previews of what's coming soon. Check out the back catalogue. We've finished finished a whole load of shows recently. We've got shows on Ted Lasso, but also things like The Last of Us and Happy Valley and all sorts of good stuff. I'm going to go back deep down, as it were. Thanks for doing this demo. See you soon. It's the pact after all. <laughs> Bye.